next Sunday I'll try and maybe fill in a little bit more. Um, I'm certain next Sunday I'm going to teach live at Jersey Village, uh, uh, God willing, and I'll have a chance to go into chapter 4 in more detail there. So if you want to, um, I wouldn't advise you to skip church here, but um, I'll try and get into this stuff here as well. I want to finish the letter that we've been looking at from Paul with just a couple of little notes for today. And uh, if I can get this nice and on the screen so we can all see it together. These are Paul's finishing instructions. You know, Paul typically in his letters would spend the first half talking about theology and the second half talking about, uh, or not halves, but the second portion talking about practical living. Something I think is very important for us to understand. Our practical living is based upon who God is and what God has done. And to do practical living for any other reason at all is inadequate. Because practical living has to be, like Dr. Max said, it's got to be part of our worship. Because that's what we're here to do. So this is in the practical living part. And Paul says, I want you to continue steadfastly in prayer. He says, I want you to be watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. Now, I find two things fascinating real quick here. Number one, Paul is asking for prayer that God would open a door. And if this does not inform our theology of prayer, then we're in trouble. Because too many of us have a tendency to think that God is going to do what God is going to do. And we don't pause long enough to realize that God has made us as his agents on this earth. When Genesis speaks of us as bearing God's image... Part of that concept is we reflect God to the earth around us. Remember, God did all of the naming. He named the stars and the moon and the sky and evening and morning. And, and God does the naming until he makes humans in his image. And then Adam, in God's image, takes over the naming. Because he's able to reflect and be that part of God. God doesn't run this world where we are merely his puppets. We are engaged in this world on his behalf, and he infuses us with the wisdom and the knowledge and the things we need to be able to do the things that he has charged us to do. And so prayer has a place simply to be praying, to invoke, to use the human role as caretakers of this earth, as the mouth and feet and arms and hands of Jesus, to use the human role to bring God into play. So continue steadfastly. And he says at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door to declare the mystery of Christ. Mysterion in the Greek. Mysterion. It's... it's there are different Greek words that we could translate mystery, but this is one that's referencing the idea 
that Jesus was something that was unknown in terms of how he would be and what he would be, even as the prophets were able to speak of him, even as Abraham was able to live a prophetic experience through the sacrifice of Isaac. And, and, and Jesus was able to point to that and say that, that Abraham saw the day of Jesus, as John records. Saw the day of Jesus and rejoiced. I doubt there was ever any greater moment of rejoicing in Abraham's life than when God stopped his hand because God was providing the sacrifice. And so Abraham saw the day of Jesus, but it was still a mystery. It was a secret. It was cloaked. It wasn't, it wasn't revealed and that's what Paul's now looking for the chance to repeal, to, 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 to do. So he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. I've got to pause here. Because if I could give any admonition to you as my brothers and sisters, it would be that we walk in wisdom towards outsiders. This does not mean that we act as outsiders act and people would not know any difference between us and a pagan. This does not mean we impress the outsiders with the way we're able to go to church on Sunday and then do things we should not be doing on Monday. This does not mean we condone People who are out of bounds and out of line. But it does mean we do these things. We make the best use of the time. Two Greek words for time that you need to know. You need to know the word chronos. We get the word chronology from it. Whoops, sorry. Chronos, think, think of uh, uh, chronology. Um, it's, it's what time is it right now? Well, it is 1147. You know, this is time in the sense of chronology. Chronology. You with me? That's not the word used here. The word used here is kairos in the Greek. K-I-A-I-R-O-S. Kairos. And Kairos is talking about a unique opportunity. I mean, this is, this is an opportunity. This is a, a unique moment in history. This is a moment that will never be repeated. The, the, the emphasis that Paul is making is on something that, that is, is here now unique to this moment. And we are experiencing that during every chronos, during every minute of the day. But Paul wants us to make the best use of the opportunities we've got. When you're exposed to someone outside the church, it is an opportunity to worship God. By the way you lead your life. You know, I, I'm, 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 all know I'm just... I'm right now doing seven devotionals a day out of the Torah. And that's why I've got bald spots appearing. I've been pulling this out. 
But one thing that's impressing me over and over and over is how God was driving home to Israel, his people, through his instructions to Moses, that they need to be careful about how they use their time. I'm convinced some of these elaborate things they had to go through were so that the people would be conscious and aware of God in a memorable, focused manner that would carry them through the other days that are more mundane. And, and, and that's the charge here that Paul wants us to have. Recognize you are at a truly singular time in history. You are at a unique moment. When you're with someone tomorrow who doesn't know the Lord, you are the image bearer of God. You are God's reflection. You're the mirror of God. And Paul says, act like it. Let your speech be gracious. Let your speech be gracious. What a marvelous word. It's a very familiar word in the Greek, kairote, but it's, 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 it's got a special meaning for Paul from charis. It's got a special meaning because it is for Paul an anointed word from the cross. The grace of God is the cross of Christ for Paul. He wants our speech to reflect not simply a, a kind graciousness that the Greeks might be aware of, but a graciousness, a, a cross-graciousness that we believers are uniquely familiar with. He wants our words seasoned with salt so that we can answer each person. These are magnificent words and instructions for living. Paul goes through, he's got a lot more to say. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about it next week. I want to talk to you about Onesimus a little bit. He sends this, he says, I want, I've sent you for this very purpose, him to you. He's talking about Tychicus there, that you may know how we are and he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus. Onesimus. That's a, that's a Greek slave name. It means useful. You, you didn't name your son useful. Hard worker. You named your slaves useful hard worker. It's a slave name. And so useful, or, or, or maybe you, you named him like Paul. You know, Paulos. Shorty in the Latin. So this is a slave name. Onesimus is the slave that Paul wrote to Philemon about. And he's sending Onesimus back. Now, interestingly enough, Colossae gets destroyed by an earthquake in 6061 and wasn't really rebuilt. But about 35 years later, 40 years later, there's a bishop of the church of Ephesus named Onesimus who chronologically would have fit with a fellow who'd been a, 
late teenage runaway slave. And I want to talk to you about some of that next week because it's, it's a marvelous way that, that, that God moves in the lives of all of us, not simply the Billy Grahams, the Andrew McIntoshes, the David Flemings, but in everybody's life because there's a unique opportunity, a moment. There's a kairos in your life daily. So that's your encouragement, especially as we try in this multiply campaign to figure out how God wants to use you. You're at a unique time here. And this is something that's very important for the outside world to see. And this is what we're about, whether it's helping infuse more work into greater Europe missions, whether it's helping to do something down in Guatemala and build a church there, or whether it's helping our community and reach our community better for the Lord. It's all part of ascribing worth to God, worshiping God. There is no one or nothing else worthy of our worth ship. Okay? Let me say a prayer over you and I'll see you next Sunday by the grace of God. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for Dr. McIntosh for the ways you've used him to build your, your kingdom uh, with, with stalwart students and scholars. I thank you for his life and the ministry that you've put in him. I thank you for his family I pray for his health and his safe return to England today. I thank you for the chance of getting to know him better and having his words seasoned with salt spoken graciously to us. Father, continue to mature us in your son. Transform us into his image. Renew our minds. Give us greater faith. Give us greater discernment. Let your spirit grow its fruit within us. We pray these things through our Lord Jesus. Amen. See you guys next Sunday.